Within the shadows of the COVID-19 pandemic, another crisis has been brewing. Yet this one doesn't target the lungs, nor the elderly. It attacks young people's thoughts and feelings. On Tuesday, U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy called the levels of anxiety, depression, and stress among young people a national crisis. He said in the first year of the pandemic alone, there was a 40% increase of persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness among our youth. This week, we look at how this mental health crisis is playing out in our region. I spoke with Rachna Single Krishnan, CEO of the Women's Center. The mental health nonprofit is based in Northern Virginia and DC. It provides counseling to thousands of men, women, adolescents, and children. So Rachna, last week, the Surgeon General called the mental health challenges of children, adolescents, and young adults a public health crisis. He even went so far as to compare it to the pandemic, you know, which we all know is a massive crisis. As you know, CEO of the Women's Center here in the D.C. area, are you seeing this crisis play out here in the Washington area? Absolutely. You know, we've been saying, we being people in the mental health world, we've been saying that this is another pandemic. The mental health pandemic is actually another pandemic on the heels of the, the COVID pandemic. And we know that the effects of the, of the mental health pandemic are going to be lasting much longer and much deeper once the actual COVID pandemic is over. And we are seeing that very much so in the D.C. area as well. I'll give you one stat, which I think will just clarify that. We saw a 25% increase in our request for adolescent mental health services in, in just one year. So truly, wow. our adolescents, our teenagers and young adults, um, they're really having a, a, a tough time. They were having a tough time before the pandemic, but even now, right. what's worse. Right. And the COVID-19 pandemic or a crisis like a natural disaster, those crises you know, kind of are apparent and physical and you can kind of see them. But I'm not sure if you could spell out for you know, listeners just what this sort of mental health crisis among adolescents really looks like. What is it like, you know, on the ground? What are your therapists really dealing with when they get in that room? Sure. So, you know, I'm not a therapist by training, but I do have two teenagers and um, I can kind of speak from personal experience and, of course, from all my experience at the Women's Center. So for the teenagers and young adults and as adults also, there's just a lot of uncertainty, right? And teenagers at this time, they're very social beings. So being in lockdown, not being able to go to school, not being able to have done their activities was very um, anxiety provoking for them. There was a lot of increase in depression and suicide. And I think that for uh, young adults, they need to be out and about with people, generally speaking, of course. So for them, it's really anxiety, depression, su suicidal thoughts, very much on the rise. And in the advisory written out by the Surgeon General, he had a sentence uh, that said, you know, this crisis is real. And he kept saying, you know, this is real. And my reading of it was that he was trying to answer that, you know, it might not be seen as real. I'm not sure if you feel that there at the Women's Center or have seen that, where you really have to spell out to people that this crisis, you know, is is real. It is real. And maybe to me, it's so real. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine people that say it's not real. It's real. I mean, we live it every day. And I will say that counseling can really help. But we live it every day. And, you know, people's mental health has just gone down a little bit for everyone. 
you know, people that were at a 10 or maybe now at a nine, people that were at a five at four. So everyone's mental health has suffered. It's people are exhausted. It's kind, it's constant, constant crisis mode. Like this is not normal for human beings. It's not normal for teenagers. And like, to me, it feels so real. Like I live it every day. <laughs> I can't imagine someone thinks it's not real. Right, right, right. Right. But it still seems like there's some sort of stigma or taboo around mental health. I mean, I think it's less and less now, but it is kind of a phenomenon that still persists. I will have to say the good news on that is that what I see is that there is less among the young adults and teenagers than there definitely is amongst my generation. And I know that from having so many young adults and teens in my life, whether it's family or you know kids of friends, they're much more willing to talk about it and they're willing to tell their supervisors at work, you know, for people that are in their early 20s and have jobs. So yes, I do think there is much less stigma, especially for uh, teenagers and young adults. They are much more willing to talk about it, which I think is fantastic. And during COVID-19, we saw that the poor as well as minority communities saw and felt the brunt of the pandemic. Is this a tragic trend that we're seeing also with the mental health crisis? Absolutely. Gosh, it's so true. And it's it's true just because the jobs that were lost, like the white collar jobs, of course, were generally more able to work from home. Some of those other jobs that were lost. And it's always true for the teenagers and adolescents as well, because they were more isolated at home. They're made the ones that don't have all the great broadband and Wi-Fi at home, right? So it's it's those resources that made working from home, learning from home a little bit easier for folks, that those were the resources that the underserved populations didn't have as much. So it made it all all the harder for them. Right. And, you know, over the last two years within the pandemic, we've learned about how to deal with that that sort of crisis through you know masking, social distancing and vaccines. So with this mental health crisis, how do you fight back or how do you, you beat it back as a nation, as a DC community? You know, one thing that I always say to kids, to teenagers, to young adults is that you should talk to people, talk to your parents, talk to a teacher, talk to a counselor, talk to your friends, and really just to get help. I think the number one thing that folks can do is if they're feeling they need help, they should go ahead and get the help. That's like the best thing that anyone can really do is to get the help that they feel that they need. And it's so much better to kind of attack it earlier than to wait and let it kind of get worse over time. And speaking of help, you all at the Women's Center just got a grant that kind of goes right at this issue. I'm not sure if you can tell us more about that. Sure. So the Virginia Healthcare Foundation gave us a grant to expand our capacity to take care of and treat teenagers and young adults. And so we have this grant and we've been able to bring on board some more therapists and take care of more adolescents with this grant. And so that's what we've been able to do is kind of increase our availability of services to teenagers. And we do things like anxiety, depression, and just the things that kids are facing these days. I call them kids, but teenagers and young adults. <laughs> and what the grant really allows us to do is to take care of people that are not insured. It's really targeted towards people that are underinsured or not insured. And more than half of our teenagers are underserved, uninsured families. 
So really what the grant has allowed us to do is kind of build our capacity, particularly in areas where folks don't have insurance and where they have insurance, because even accepting insurance in a way is like community service because the reimbursement is such that therapists make, you know, so much more in private practice and often don't take insurance even. Right. Young adults particularly are sometimes either just getting out of school, either whether it's high school or just college, and they're kind of floating in a financial uncertainty. And so I'm sure, you know, mental health isn't like the first priority, whether it might have to be, you know, or whether it should. Yes. And I think that nowadays, I, I really think folks, people are more focused on it and more willing to talk about it. And I really see that with my own children, that they just talk about it more with their friends. And and so many people are in counseling and therapy and it's okay. Like it's no big deal. It's really no big deal. So I, I do think that awareness has just increased and, and they're more willing to talk about it. And if they don't have the resources, there are places like the Women's Center or other places that folks can go to get counseling. And Rashna, how has the grant gone so far? We've already are seeing like a 7% increase just in six months. We've seen a 7% increase in the number of sessions that we've delivered to uh, teenagers and young adults. And that's just like, it hasn't even been six months. It's only been like a few months since we've had that grant. So it's uh, definitely working. And I just want to say to parents out there and, and to kids, like, this is important. Like, make it a priority. It's important. It's important in so many ways. And it's hard to have good overall physical health and being productive if you don't have good mental health. So, you know. Yeah. And then just to drive further on that, what's what's really at stake? Um, again, like with COVID pandemic or natural disaster, we know what's at stake. We can like see the buildings crashing. You know, we can see the ICUs filling up. But with mental health, what is at stake as a society and also like as an individual? Wow. I think there's so much at stake. If people don't have good mental health, so I'm going to like maybe get maybe way too deep. But as a society, if we look at our health, and I worked at a hospital system like for 18 years. So like I've been in healthcare for a long time. We know there's this thing that we call social determinants of health. And we know that without certain of these social determinants of health, people will not have good health. So social determinants of health include stuff like food security. Like it doesn't matter how many doctors you have or hospitals you have. If a person doesn't have a secure food source, they're not going to have good health. If they don't have housing, they're not going to have good overall health. If they don't have good mental health, they're not going to have overall good health. And when people don't have good health, then they... It's harder to maintain jobs. It is harder to maintain relationships. It is so much harder to be a functioning and contributing member of society. And then eventually what happens is people become homeless. Then they need other forms of government assistance. And it's just like this, this spiral, right? So we, we got to take care of what we call these social determinants of health to increase our overall health. That's help keeps us productive members of society. So there is a huge economic and social cost to society if people do not have good health. And mental health is a big part of good health. And I imagine that the stakes are raised here because we're talking about kids who are in the early stages of their development and mental health wise, you know, can really be impacted by these struggles. Kids are, you know, they're in their formative years right now. What they're experiencing now is going to influence who they are for the rest of their lives, right? 
So if these formative years are challenging, then these are challenges that they carry into their adulthood. And that's why adults always need therapy as well, of course. <laughs> right? It's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> so these challenges that our youth are facing now, it's, it doesn't just go away, right? It stays with us. We kind of hold mm. on to whether it's trauma or it's stress, anxiety, like it stays with us. And now the kids really focusing on their schoolwork. Are they fo- focusing on their activities and are they focusing on their social development and right? And if they're not, then that that's a problem, right? Because they're not growing and developing the way we want them to. So in other words, you know, if this crisis isn't solved in some real way soon, the, the problem will persist and even just continue, grow along with those adolescents, those young people, those adults, young adults who, who are struggling themselves. Right. Absolutely. Things don't just go away. <laughs> Problems don't just go away, right? They have to be dealt with. In the United States, emergency room visits for suicide attempts rose 51% for adolescent girls in early 2001, as compared to the same period in 2019. The Surgeon General said this pandemic rise was built upon an already increasing rate of mental health challenges among young people. He pointed to social media as another possible reason for why mental health emergencies have risen substantially since 2011. While the definitive reason for this crisis is still unknown, the Surgeon General urged the country to address it. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Again, 1-800-273-8255. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Luke Garrett. Our cover art was created by a cartoonist, Audrey Garrett, and our music is courtesy of Loxby. Join me next Monday as the world recovers.